Hello, this is Mike Piccarillo, Executive Director of the Capital Area School Development Association, and you're listening to the podcast series, It's Intentional. It's Intentional is designed to elicit reactions and stimulate thinking about important topics in the field of education. Today's topic, Parent-Family Empowerment, It's About Access, is a continuation of the theme of empowerment, with the focus moving from students to parents and families. This podcast poses the question, how does access support empowerment? So I guess I should be clear about what I mean when I talk about access in relationship to parent empowerment and families. I'll start by clarifying what access is not. It's not sending emails, letters, or placing postings on the school website or on social media about events or activities being held at school. It's not parent-teacher conferences during the school day or other parent meetings during the school day. It's not events or activities exclusively communicated in one one language, English. It's recognizing that many families do not have transportation or reliable transportation to get to the school, or that many families have one working parent who may be working multiple jobs and can't get up work during the day, or the parent or parents do not speak English as a native language. It is, therefore, holding events at times when these families can attend, and it is making home visits or holding events at different locations in the community. And it is sharing materials about events or activities in multiple languages, depending upon the demographics of the community. If we truly want families to feel empowered, then we need to provide them access to the resources, knowledge and skills, political organization, social capital, and a voice in the decision-making process impacting their children and all children. This makes me think back to a time when I was a middle school principal. And I was asked by a local community organization to help them out with a project that they were working on, which was tutoring students after school. They were tutoring students in a large mobile home park, and they had a location within that park called Cheryl's Lodge. And after school, they would invite students to the lodge to have them tutored in various subjects. But they they were experiencing really low enrollment. So they asked me if there was something I could do to help. And I said, well, maybe the school can reach out and provide some kind of support. Maybe we could provide some activities that students could participate in after school at the lodge. And the caveat would be that if the students were there to attend the tutoring, then they could also attend the activity after the tutoring. So I went to my faculty at that time and I posed to them this Uh, situation. And several people stepped up and said, yeah, we would go to the Cheryl's Lodge after school and and do arts and crafts and other things that they were interested in doing, share with the students some of the different skills that they had outside of school and some of their interests, and that perhaps that might be a way to attract students to the tutoring. So to add on to that, I went home one night and I said to my wife, you know, here's the situation. And she and I decided that one of the things that we could do is that we could provide food because what's a better uh, motivator for kids, especially, than food? So we decided that we would bake uh, pans of lasagna and that for students who stayed after for the tutoring at Cheryl's Lodge, we would come later on once the tutoring was over and we would serve dinner. We would make lasagna and serve dinner. So the combination of faculty members providing some different activities for the kids after the tutoring session, and my wife and I attending with food, over time, 
the attendance at the tutoring sessions grew. And as they grew, of course, we had to create, we had to bake more lasagna, which was fine. But also what we did was we opened up the sessions to parents to come. So after the kids were done tutoring, parents could come to the activity sessions and also could sit down with this, the principal and his wife and faculty members who were there and people who were running Cheryl's Lodge and have dinner with us. And this whole series we, we developed, we called it um, Bringing School to You series, really had, I think, a, a positive impact on the small community of that particular mobile home park, but also a positive impact on um, our staff and on the kids in that it created a, a sense of community and, and a sense of empowerment on the, on the part of parents in that they had the opportunity now to participate with their kids in these sessions and to really become, you know, um, maybe more of a part of their children's educational life than they had been before. And it was in a safe location. It also reminds me of when I was assistant superintendent, um, another story, a similar story of empowering parents. We had developed a parent university program um, in the school district. And the first few events that we ran, we did what traditionally schools do. We ran the events in the school. And of course, we, you know, we had some participation, but as we started to look at the audience each time, we realized uh, the participants were some of the same parents who would participate in, in just about anything that we offered after school, whether it was parent, parent university or another program. And, and so the thinking was, how do we reach parents who have uh, legitimate and, and you know, viable reasons for why they can't be there, but who really could benefit from these programs? So we created a series, uh, an offshoot of Parent University called uh, the Neighborhood Series. And what we did was we reached out to, through our connections in Parent University from our committee, to a number of the local organizations who had strong relationships in certain um, sub-areas of our community. And in those areas of the community, uh, they could reach some of the community brokers, some of the people who had great influence in those parts of the community, and ask them to use some of their influence to get parents to attend some of our events. So one particular event that, sh that stuck with me um, and you know, has always been an example that I've used is that we held an event about bullying, and we held it at a um, Head Start facility in the Jefferson Terrace um, part of our um, community, which was a which is a federal housing um, development. And the the beauty of using the Head Start facility was that people who lived in that community could walk to the facility, so they didn't need to have um, reliable transportation. We were able to recruit high school juniors and seniors who needed community service hours to come in and be babysitters and to provide activities for kids. So that took the child care issue off the table for many people. And then we also, um, through just donations of our own time and resources, we provided dinner. Simple spaghetti, meat sauce, brownies. And as a result of that, we were able to attract 15 families from the, the local Jefferson Terrace community to come for a program on bullying. And the beauty of the program was that, and here's where empowerment comes in, was that parent, these parents started talking about 
their children being bullied on buses and you know some of their concerns about how their children were being treated and then we started talking about well what were some of the solutions that we could collaborate on and some and we gave them some of the some of the political capital and information that they needed to you know contact the appropriate people to get help and support in these situations and it, it really ended up being a very positive experience uh, beyond the fact that we had 15 families that likely would not have attended that same program if we had held it at the high school or the middle school, but also was we were empowering them with information, but also we were giving them some uh, political guidance, how to how to navigate the system, so to speak. And it's funny to say that because I was part of the system, um, but I was I was giving them instruction and, and direction as to how to navigate that system because being a part of the system. Obviously, I'm intimately familiar with this system. So those are two examples of ways in which schools can empower parents to really, you know, become a more, a more involved part of their children's education and to have a voice. Empowerment is not only about involvement, but it's about having a voice and feeling that their voice is valued and to also understand how to navigate a very sophisticated system that's really in some respects, quite honestly, set up to deter, especially marginalized parents from accessing information and, and accessing resources in the system. And so um, this was an, an attempt to really help in those particular areas and really support parents in that way. This is supported by um, a number of pieces of research, and I'll just share a couple of them with you because I think it's important. Uh, a book that I would highly recommend uh, if you haven't read it already, it's called Beyond the Bake Sale, The Essential Guide to Family School Partnerships. And one of the things that the authors said in the book is that the more parents feel that they have the power to influence their children's future positively, the better their children tend to do in school. I mean, that seems like common sense, right? But, you know, um, many parents who, you know, coming from difficult circumstances don't feel that they have the power to influence their children's futures. They just don't feel that way. Uh, for a variety of reasons. Uh, many of them are working incredibly hard to try to just provide the basic necessities for their children and their family. So they don't always feel that they can make any kind of impact beyond just doing that work. I think, you know, Henderson, Mapp, Johnson, and Davies, who are the authors of this book, um, I think they lay out three practices that any school district or any school could really implement and uh, would be beneficial to empowering um, parents and families in their communities. They say, provide workable mechanisms for teachers, parents, and students to voice their ideas and concerns and to take part in decision-making, right? So parents need to have a voice and it needs to be a viable voice. It needs to be a real voice. It can't just be having them fill out a, an anonymous survey. They need to be at the table sharing their uh, viewpoints. That was the beauty of the parent university program that we held at the Head Start parents were sitting at the table with us voicing their concerns and also taking part in really talking about what the solutions could be. That's empowerment. Um, a second idea is build a broad base of involvement by increasing families' political knowledge and skills and their connections to other parents and people in the community. This is really important. Many times marginalized parents and families feel like they are isolated politically and socially from the school community. And I think, again, to be frank, that's somewhat intentful. 
on 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 the part of the school, but also on the part of of the parent the have the parents who come from the have section of the community. I think there's this you know we want we want what we want for our children, and if that means sometimes that it's going to deny other children and other families access to the same resources, well then so be it. And I think we have to really we have to really work against that. We really have to establish systems to counter um, that kind of thinking that goes on. And then finally, strengthen families' links with community organizations and resources. The beauty of the Parent University program, along with the the you know School to You program that we did when I was the middle school principal, is that we were connecting with community organizations through the school, and then we were connecting those organizations to to the parents and families in the community. And I think that's hugely important. So, you know, those the the synergy of those you know uh, relationships, I think. Are, are very, very powerful. Um, I would also uh, share another model with you from the authors of an article called Empowering Marginalized Parents, an Emerging Parent uh, Empowerment Model for School Counselors. Now, although the title you know, speaks to school counselors, uh, this really, this model, the, these four elements that they talk about in this model are, are you know, really apply to anybody within the school system. Um, and it's meant to you know, empower and address academic and opportunity gaps, systemic barriers, and educational inequalities, which is what we've been talking about. And so the four elements are engaging parents in consciousness raising, their own raising of their own consciousness, uh, facilitating parents' competence and skills development, connecting parents to their communities through parent and social networks, which is very similar to you know, what we talked about in the uh, previous research, and then facilitating parents as leaders through organizing groups in the school and in the community. So really providing parents, empowering them by putting them in leadership roles. That's critically important. All too often you find in schools that committees and, you know, different groups are led by either school um, personnel or they're led by uh, parents who are a part of the school in some other way, i.e. PTA, PTSO, you know, some, they've already had some role in, in, within the school. And so they're, they're, you know, in a, in a position of authority, so to speak, without title, or they're in a position of power by the nature of the social position that they have and the political position that they have. So it's important to, you know, bring marginalized parents into this uh, arena and provide them with, with um, roles of, of leadership. So those are a couple of examples of research that I think are really important on this topic. I think parent empowerment is, is critically important. Yes, it's challenging uh, for schools to, first of all, overcome uh, our own you know, restrictive thinking and our own systems that we've put in place that, that really work against empowering parents, especially marginalized parents. But we have to, we have to really reevaluate and really challenge um, these systems and structures that we have in place. It's got to be ongoing work. It has to, you know, this is not something that begins and ends at a certain point in time. This is something that's ongoing. If schools are really going to ultimately get to that, that end goal that, you know, I started this whole podcast off with, which is really, we want all of our students to be successful academically. We want them to feel safe and, and to, to grow productively, socially, and emotionally. And for that to happen, uh, and for us to reach this lofty notion that we have in all of our mission statements, 
And I would challenge you to look at your mission statement or the mission statement of other schools or school districts around you. Uh, I would pretty much guarantee you that they will say all students and they have some aspirational goals attached to that. If we're really going to achieve all students, then we really have to ultimately break down these structures and barriers, bring parents in, especially the marginalized parents, and make them a real part of the workings of the school system, i.e. empowering them. CASDA, by the way, is ready to assist you in this work uh, to empower your students, your parents and families, and communities. And so I, I urge you to, uh, as you go forward, to think about uh, how are you going to, to empower your parents and families um, and your communities. Thank you.